0: You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be, so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us, or visit us in person each Sunday at ten thirty a.m. and Wednesday at six thirty p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. love the things we sing because they're actually declarations that set us up for opportunity to live out of the place of what we sing. Sometimes uh, Sunday morning songs don't go further than Sunday morning, right? But when we realize they're actually declaring the goodness of God or whatever, you know, that you, you chase me down with your love, that it actually brings my mind into alignment with the nature of God and gives me the opportunity to live out of that nature that He planned for me to have before the foundation of the world. Everything Jesus is doing, everything the Father is doing, the pursuit after us, the, the songs that we sing, the things that we read, it's like he, He's constantly wooing us into this place of intimacy that says, you know, it's like, I've got way more for you. I've got way more for you. Come on. just ever, And it's not a condemning or a guilt trip or... You know, he's not like trying to manipulate. He doesn't have any of that within his nature. It's actually not even possible. It's impossible for him to do any of the things that other people have done to try to or get us to do things sometime in our life, even in our Christian life. He just doesn't work like that. So I apologize for anybody that's Seen a, a misrepresentation of what, what God looks like. Of who Jesus is. And with that today, I believe, and I know Paul said, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, he was speaking to the church at, at Corinth, and he said that I come before you, not knowing anything but Christ and Him crucified, and I came to you with fear and trembling, not with persuasive words of man's wisdom. And I'm going to approach a topic today that that's, that's literally how I feel. Um, and, and it's because I never want, for one, I, I know that I can't make God look bad, right? I'm not like big enough, powerful enough. <laughs> I know I could be a misrepresentation of his heart, though. So i can 't i can 't tarnish his image because jesus is is his image, and he just can 't go back and do anything to that <laughs> right he, he's so uh, but with that said, i also don 't ever want to be it 's not that's never should be an excuse in my life to just live any way that I want I say those i preface it with that because I know who God is. the things that I say to you it comes out of my current knowledge, which is like minute and very small in my little bitty brain, it comes out of my current knowledge and revelation, revelation knowledge of who, of who the Father is. And I always want to do um, a good job, always want to do well in representing His heart. So we'll address the topic today of, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute, first I want you to do something, is anybody, or anybody that has physical pain in their body right now, I want you to stand to your feet, if you hurt physically anywhere in your body, I want you to stand up, quick, we don't, I don't have a, a ton of time and, and Jesus is going to work quick, that's it, nobody else hurting physically, physical pain in your body currently, no one else. It's fine if it's not. I was just going to give you a minute. There's always the slow responder, <laughs> right? Or the no responder, and then later on they come up to you and you're like, oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> that's only awful when nobody stands up. <laughs> so, so the people that are around, you know what, let's do this. And then later on you can you write it on a card or whatever you had or what was going on. And just, I want you all to pray with me. You're, you're the prayer team. Holy Spirit's going to orchestrate all this, but you guys are the, are the prayer team. If there's, um, there's any other conditions in the room, where our expectation is for them to be healed too, if, even if it's not physical pain. Yeah, I want you to go ahead and stand up if you've got another condition in your body that needs healed physically. Our expectation will be for that to be healed also. I, I'm standing. I have, I have pain. I should have said that. I have something in my back jacked up about, I don't know, six months ago. So Holy Spirit, come. Help me pray. Holy Spirit, come with healing. Yeah, thank you for your angels that are already here bringing healing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for peace. The peace of heaven upon every mind, body, every emotion. Thank you for the peace of heaven into every soul right now, in Jesus' name. I just we, we together speak peace over you as heaven releases it in the name of Jesus. Every condition. Thank you for healing every condition. Thank you for every bit of pain being healed right now in Jesus name. Thank you for every symptom leaving in Jesus name. Thank you for all pain going in the name of Jesus. We thank you Lord. Thank you for what you just did. Amen. 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 Just tell me if you those of you that are standing with pain, let me know if you're you're fifty percent or more healed. Raise your hand. If you're fifty percent better. Can you tell? If you can tell, one person can tell. Everybody else, you got discussion going on. Let's pray for him one more time. Point your hands at him if you would. So, Jesus, thank you for being healer right now in this situation. We thank you for bringing everything that you paid for. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reinforcing it. We command all pain leave in Jesus' name. Every bit of sickness, every symptom, anything that's plaguing any body in here, we command to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, by the authority of Jesus. Every single person be whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. All right, check it again. Who's f- 50, 75, significantly less. significantly less? Yes, Jesus. Yes, 50 or more healed? 75% or more healed? Healed. Healed. People are sitting. Okay, you can sit. That's of you feel awkward and you stand that long and you're the only ones. But thanks Jesus for the rest of the service, all pain leaving in Jesus' name. Thank you for everything that's associated to emotional stuff being healed too. Yep, thank you, God. Anybody that listens to this, this is for you too. Not just for who's in the room. Thanks, Jesus. Get back with us conditions that have been healed. God wants you to be whole. Every part of you. Every part. All right, I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 5. If you want to open your Bibles, your digital or physical, I believe the Father is redefining holiness in the church. I believe the Father is redefining what holiness is in the church. At one point in time, religion defined holiness. And what happens is when religion gets to define something, then it becomes a part of the culture, which the body of Christ is supposed to be a culture. It's called kingdom, kingdom culture. But when religion actually defines something, then it comes through. You have to keep that particular train of thought or that particular revelation or that particular type of culture through human effort. And so religion gets mad when you define holiness through relationship because then it's outside of a list of rules and regulations that you're trying to through your own strength keep. I'm gonna read some of this to you. And the, these are these are passages that I have dodged sharing in any sermon that I preach. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I walked through religion through the early part of my Christianity and and I believe that it is set, if anything good came out of it, it is set a parameter, a a restriction on some of my behavior that actually kept me out of the places that I came from, if there was something good that came out of it. But I realized in the midst of the religion that I lived out of that people got hurt, even my own wife. Because I had an attitude of holiness, but actually it was that, that thing that the Bible says that it's the, the resemblance of godliness, but denying its power. We often use that about healing or signs and wonders. But what if that passage was actually, it was a form of godliness through religion That says I am holy, but doesn't live out of the relationship with the Holy One that causes me to live out of my new nature, which is already holy. And so I lived out of that for years of my Christianity because I didn't know my identity. I didn't know who I was as a son. And so the only thing that I had was this list of rules. I thought I should keep this, I I need to do this, I need to do better, I need to try harder. And I'm not saying there's not effort in the Christian life, but it doesn't, it's not supposed to come out of the place I'm trying to get something from him. I'm trying to get him to love me. If I do this, he'll love me more. No, it doesn't matter if you're not, you didn't do another thing the rest of your life, he'd still love you the same. Even if you weren't a Christian, his love doesn't change for the unsaved. It isn't like He loves me more than He does for the person that's out there bad right now. Selling dope or, or the CEO that's scamming his company or the, the wife or the husband that's, that's cheating. Whatever it is, it, it, he, doesn't, he doesn't love the Christian more than He loves the unsaved. It's a level playing field at the cross. Anybody get, I, My life is an example of that. Anybody can come to Jesus. He draws them, opens our eyes. I mean, he provides everything. But then, if we go into religion, I think that I can actually earn something from him. So when I would mess up, when I was in religion, I thought, I need to go pray for somebody. I need to go give a prophetic word. I need to see somebody healed. I need to. I need to. Because I thought I had to earn my way back into God's good graces. I thought I had to do something to be someone. When he actually says it's backwards. When you learn to be the someone that I created you be. And then you do from that place. And it's not to earn something. But it's actually living out of everything that I sent my son to pay for. <laughs> so what's true holiness look like? Because we always... Re- not... I don't want to make a blanket statement like that. We often relate when we think of holy. Some of you might think of church that you used to go to, right? The holiness movement. I like what they're thinking, right? But when most of us that have been in church very long or even have known Christians, when we think of holiness, we think of behavior, right? Don't do this, do that. Don't do that. Do this. Why are you doing that? You should be doing this. It always points to behavior. But as we've continually said over the last several weeks is that God doesn't actually look at behavior. He he doesn't. Sorry. He separates the person and the behavior. He doesn't relate you and I to our behavior. My identity doesn't come from what I do. My identity comes from who he is. My identity comes from what he already paid for me to be. I can't do something to be a son. And so he doesn't associate when he calls me by my name, when he calls me by who I am, when he says to me, You're worthy, you're blameless, you're holy, you're fully accepted, you're fully loved. It doesn't necessarily mean that he agrees with my behavior but he speaks to my identity because he knows that when I know who I am, my behavior will follow. (laughs) When I know who I am, my behavior will follow. So he always speaks to my identity. His correction will always look like pulling me closer to him because it will always speak to who I am, my actual nature in him. So don't get up and leave when I read these passages. (laughs) Give me an opportunity... Give us an opportunity to actually articulate what I believe God is doing in the body of Christ now worldwide. Purity and power are different sides of the same coin. And neither one of them can come from me. All of them have to come from him. Me in Him. Apart from Him, I can't do anything. Apart from Him, you, you wouldn't be clapping for me. You wouldn't be congratulating me. You wouldn't, you wouldn't look up to me if you do. You, you wouldn't follow me. It's because of Him. It's because I'm getting to know Him. It's because I'm getting to see Him clearer. It's all because of what He did for me. It's not because of me. And this vast that we've been on for the last 37 or so days. Man, have I been hungry. (laughs) I'm a quarter of the man I was physically. But in it, you find out the weakness that you have. You find out in moments where you need to actually exert physical strength that the only way I'm going to be able to do this won't be from the water that I drank or the the gum that I'm chewing, (laughs) right, sugar-free. It's because when you fast, if you fasted, you know your breath gets funky, your body's detoxifying itself. It's just the truth. You know, all know, right? <laughs> but I found that my dependency on Him wasn't as much as I thought it was. In my weakness, I find His strength. And when I come to the end of myself and everything that I know I can't do to earn his love, when I actually know who he truly is, that he's not religion, but it, it's all about a relationship, then it actually pulls me into this place that realizes everything I was never supposed to be has to die so that I can live out of my new nature. That he loves, so, loves me so much that he sent his son to, to, to die in my, my place, to die as me. To take the punishment that I deserved. And that I get to be a co-heir with Jesus. You know that means that, that we have access to everything that, that Jesus has access to. I thought that would have made you more excited than that. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. Right? Okay, let's just read the Bible. <clears throat> I'm gonna read out of the Passion Translation, so it, it won't it won't help to put that up there. Rachel, thank you though for thinking about it. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter or chapter five, verse one. Be imitators of God in everything you do. For then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. That word imitators to be it means to be godlike, to be like God. Last week, I took you all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, when there's a conversation going on in heaven, and God says, let's create man, mankind in our image, in our likeness, to be like us. This is how Paul can say, be imitators of God, act like God. Not be God, but be like Him. That's how he can say that. Let me keep going. Verse 2, and continue to walk, surrender to the extravagant love of Christ, for he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance, and have nothing to do with sexual immorality, lust, or greed, for you are his holy ones, and let no one be able to accuse you of them in any form. Guard your speech, forsake obscenities and worthless insults. These are uh, these are non Sensical? That's not in my vocabulary, I'm sorry. <laughs> words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. For it has been made clear to you already that the kingdom of God cannot be accessed by anyone who is guilty of sexual sin, who is impure or greedy, for greed is the essence of idolatry. How could they expect to have an adherence in Christ's kingdom while doing those things? Don't be fooled by those who speak empty words and, de- and de- as deceptive teachings telling you otherwise. This is what brings God's anger upon the rebellious. Don't listen to them or live like them at all. Verse 8, once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of your Lord shining through you because you are, because of your union or your oneness with him. Your mission is to live as children flooded with His revelation light, and the supernatural fruits of His light will be seen in you, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. No one's excited about that, are they? Paul starts off this passage with be imitators of God, basically so that you can represent him well, represent him well. The Bible never tells us to do something that he hasn't given us the grace to empower us to do. Oftentimes, I personally have thought when the Bible tells me to do something, it requires my effort. What it actually requires is for me to believe different. So what if everything, I can go through more passages. These are all New Testament scriptures, all New Testament scriptures in different, uh, uh, different books of the Bible to the New Testament church. And so all of these passages are to Christians, every one of them. He's not talking about any unbeliever. You can't go out there and use this on them. It's to the church because the church didn't know. This is Paul's one and only letter to the church at at, at Ephesus. And so they'd come to know Jesus, but they needed some things that would point them to who who they weren't. So what if all the lists of things, I can go through lists of things that there's probably some of you in this room that still do. My goal isn't to point out something that's wrong with your life, but actually point you to who you are and point you away from who you aren't. What if all the lists in the New Testament were actually pointing us away from who we're not? That's why he said, you once were darkness. All these things are done in darkness. This used to be your life. Now it's not He's pointing them away from the darkness in their life because they don't know any better. They they don't know. Even in Galatians, Paul says the law was good. It became a tutor to me to point me to Jesus that I needed him. But once once I came to Jesus and came into a relationship with him, it showed me that I didn't need the law. Why wouldn't I need the law? Because I still need to live out of the principles of that law. The laws are now written in my heart. <laughs> not the man-made Levitical law. The commandments. And even some of the things were good moral things that came out of Levitical law. There were good things not to do. They took it way too far. Yeah, absolutely. That's what happens when man gets involved with the things of God. But now those things are written on my heart. And if that this is what it means. Jesus said, love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. If you'll do this, the whole law will be summed up. Because you won't hurt, cheat, murder, lie, steal, right? You He's pointing them to their new nature. When I live out of my nature, let me read another passage to you this may not make you feel better immediately, but I'm going to get there I promise we're gonna mm just follow just follow for a few more First Peter one verse 13 hmm okay. 1 Peter 1, chapter, yeah, 1 Peter 1, verse 13, me, I want to give you some, some truth. Okay, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. One of my jobs as a teacher is to leave us without excuse. Because ignorance is not bliss in the kingdom. My people perish for lack of knowledge because of ignorance. It means not to know. If I don't know in this nation and I'm a Christian, it's my own fault. Because I have full access to truth 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Let me let me say this behind that. Biblical truth that lines up with who the nature of the Father is and, and what kingdom actually is will always bring you closer to God and ignite hope in you. May not always feel good. That's why he gave us a comforter. There's no growth where I'm not uncomfortable. And I like to be comfortable. I'm going to start with verse, yeah, verse 14 again. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Verse 15. But you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Interesting fact is that the same word used for saint in the New Testament when Paul or Peter, they address The church, when they say the saints who are in Ephesus, that's the same Greek word as the word holy in this particular passage. And it's the same word for Holy Spirit, the first part of Holy Spirit's name, Holy Spirit's first name. They're all the same word. Again, he's telling us to do something that is actually impossible by my own effort. You can look through the whole Old Testament and see that that wasn't possible, right? I can't be holy. They even tied a rope to the foot or to the ankle of the priest would go into the holiest of places in the temple just in case he had forgotten to atone for his own sins through the blood of an animal. They're like, we're not even taking a chance on this guy that we assigned to be the priest. (laughs) But now we actually become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the holy of holies is on the inside of us. My spirit, your spirit, if you know Jesus, is where the Holy Spirit lives. He, <laughs> it doesn't get any more holy than that. Let me point you back to Jesus. Because some of you may think, I don't feel holy. And that's okay. Let me read this to you Romans 12, verse 1 in the Passion. It says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be a sacred living sacrifice and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Live in holiness, which now becomes your genuine expression of worship. Sometimes we've turned worship into an event or a concert or something where we come listen to amazing musicians and amazing vocalists. And we we leave worship in a place of where music was at. But if you look at the conversation that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman that he wasn't even supposed to be talking to because he was a Jew... He had crossed all types of lines. And the Samaritan woman mentions that. Why are you asking me for a drink of water? This is all in John chapter 4 if you'd like to read it for yourself. Why are you asking me for a drink of water when you being a Jew, me being a Samaritan? Jesus bypasses that question. And he continues on in the conversation for a few different reasons. And one of them is because he's showing before the cross even happens, that it's a new day. But he says this amazing thing to her, right? When she starts asking about worship, and she says, our forefathers say that you're supposed to worship here, but you Jews say that you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, the time is coming when you'll neither worship there or in Jerusalem. Because true worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth. Because God is spirit. And he must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Two times, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, one in each, each chapter. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. I've had this question In my mind, I had this encounter with Jesus, and he tells me, he says, I'm inviting you into, this is your new assignment. I'm inviting you into this new assignment. It's for your life to be worshiped to me in every area. I'm like, Jesus, that sounds amazing, but I don't know what it means. (laughs) And I had already been asking him the question, according to this verse, of what does it actually mean to worship in spirit and in truth? Because, as spiritual and amazing as that has sounded to me over the last however many years that I've read that passage, is that I didn't honestly know how to live that out. I thought I had an idea of what it looked like, but I didn't. And so I'm asking them this question I'm asking Jesus this question. What's it look like to worship in spirit and in truth? And then I have that encounter with him, and he tells me that he's inviting me into this place for my whole life to express worship to him. And I thought, "This is amazing. I feel like we're getting closer. <laughs> I'm getting closer to revelation. And then he leads me into this place of him redefining what holiness looks like, and what it looks like to have a life of holiness. And then I see it in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 of of living a life of, of holiness is actually an expression of worship to God. And it's really the only expression of worship that he's accepting as a sacrifice that I see after the brokenness that I give him and I become whole. After those moments that... All hell breaks loose in my life as a Christian, and I don't understand what happened. I'm getting ready to go to a showing after this service of Lindsay's uncle, who went home to be with Jesus, but lost what seemed to have lost a battle to cancer, but you can't lose when you're saved. I know. We didn't see the breakthrough that we were expecting, but out of that place, I still live in mystery, right? Right? And in those moments, I have something to offer to God that I won't be able to offer on the other side of heaven. I do. So there's those, those moments there. All other moments from what I see right now is that my life is to look like an expression of worship through living out true holiness. He gave me the spirit of truth. So he's in me and I'm in him. We are one. And so it will never leave the place of intimacy. There will never be a gateway into the things of God from anywhere else. If it is, it's outside of kingdom. It all comes from an intimate relationship with him. When I begin to know him, I begin to realize that we're one. When Jesus is standing here, I love that Nikki said. When Jesus is standing here, or when I'm standing here, Jesus is standing here. Same with you anywhere that you go. Jesus is inside you. He's not tucked away in your heart somewhere. I know that sounds cute and amazing, but it's just not true. (laughs) Full-grown Jesus everywhere you go. Right? Little kids, get full-grown Jesus. Doesn't matter what age, where you come from, background, full-grown Jesus. And so when I begin to realize that we're one, that I'm not doing things apart from him, but I'm actually doing everything that I do with him because he goes everywhere that I go. What that helps me to do, what that helps me to understand is that because he's holy, I am. Because of the holiness of Jesus, who's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's how we know there's nothing left to accomplish. He's sitting down. <laughs> Jesus never sit down on the job. And I'm seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 2.6. So that means that I don't have to do anything else either for what he already paid for. I'm not saying that there isn't evangelism to do and and, and nations to be won and all those things, but I do it from that place of resting in Jesus and his finished work, not through what I'm going to accomplish. I have built things in my own effort since I've been in ministry. And when I build them in my own effort, I must maintain them in my own strength, which leads to burnout. And all types of bad things if you let it go too far. Hmm. So picture this. Are you, are, is this is this making sense to you? Don't yeah. no, don't nod for my benefit. I really want to. Yeah, I really want to know. Yes. Because it's. I've never heard big game oh, great. I love you, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> That was great. Oh, thank you, Stephen. What I've done, maybe you haven't, what I've done is I've overcomplicated truth. I've overcomplicated the Christian life. The next verse in Romans 12 that you've heard me, if you've been here very long, Verse 2 of Romans 12, I- I've said, I've repeated hundreds of times. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. And so everything in the Christian life, when it starts in, in intimacy with the relationship with Jesus, when I actually truly surrender this little bitty life to Him, is that it's about me changing the way that I think. Because in my spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's completely sanctified. I'll never be more saved than the moment I said yes to Jesus. But then my soul needs to be submitted where my mind, my will, and my emotions are. My soul needs to be submitted to my spirit man and ultimately the Holy Spirit. And then my body also. So that there's a renewing of my mind, my emotions, and my will into the will that He always created me to walk out of. Look at Jesus' life. Let me say this first. My new nature, our new nature is love. You can't be more holy than love because love is holy. Capital L. God is love and God is holy. My new nature is love because it tells me to be like God. I was created in his image, in his likeness. So that means that I was created in the image of love. When I live out of my new nature, I'm expressing love in every area of my life. When I do that, I'm actually expressing holiness in every area of my life. Because love doesn't sin, because sin can't be a part of love. Sin doesn't exist where love is, and you and I are seated where love is. And so now it actually causes, I have to try to be bad when I know better. And that's why these letters were sent to the churches. Paul, Peter, James, John, the apostles gave their life, their lives to write these letters. They paid with their blood to get these letters out that means to me that I ought to pay attention to it. And so that's why they, their love for the church, the body of Christ, was second to none. Until I've paid with my life, I, I can't say that my love compares. I can say that I will until I get in the situation. I read a an inspiring and sad and awful and amazing email. It was all those things at once. It came from a t- particular ministry of this particular family that was in a place in the Middle East. And they had heard the children and the mom worshiping Jesus. And they told the radicals. And the radicals went there and they killed the mom. The husband was out working. And then they gave the kids an opportunity. They were all under 10. They gave the kids the opportunity to denounce Jesus. They said no. They paid with their lives. This just happened. Little kids that were willing to give their life for Jesus. It's sad and amazing all at the same time because there's no, no greater accomplishment than to be able to be a martyr for Jesus. I'm not advocating, advocating that you go try to be one. I'm just saying that given the opportunity, those children had greater faith than I wonder that I've had at times. They knew where they were going, and so they paid with their lives. Oh, Jesus. May persecution come to the church in America so that we can grow like we're supposed to. (laughs) I don't have to ask for it to happen. It's going (laughs) to... Where will I be then, right? Those are real questions that I've asked myself. Where would I be in a position like that? I know that's sobering, but I think that's a good reality. So if I look, at the, I look at the life of Jesus, he's my example and he was willing to pay with his. What if I begin to be a true expression of worshiping in spirit and in truth in every area of my life simply because I live out of intimacy, which helps me see who I really am because I see who he really is. And then I begin to walk out of oneness with him and it actually causes my whole life to be an expression of worship. And then holiness begins to actually attract messy people to me because I have who they need. I mean, look at Jesus' life. Look at Jesus' life. He winds up in these situations, whether he runs into the people, or they run into him, or they're brought to him, the prostitute, the adulterous woman, the tax collectors, the lepers, the worst of society are brought to Jesus or they find Jesus somehow, right? Not by chance. What if the holiness that he lived out of, the purity and the love and the power actually caused those people to be drawn to Jesus? When they might have thought they were coming to him to get something, but he actually gave them an opportunity to be someone. The woman with the issue of blood, she comes out of hiding. where She's not supposed to be in public. She can be killed for it, but she's willing to approach Jesus. Is she willing to approach Jesus because of the holiness or the love actually caused her to feel safe in a society that would have killed her for being in public. The people in the world are looking for safety and security. They're looking for a safe place. We have safe haven places. I'm glad they're they're in our society. It's important to have What if every one of us were created to be a safe haven? And walking as an expression of worship in spirit and in truth is when people will actually feel the safety and security that this woman and the other people that approached Jesus felt so that they could become who God created them to be. You and I got something that was free to be someone that will cost me something that isn't even close to what it cost Jesus. I'm only paying with the life that I was never supposed to have. (laughs) I'm only paying with the nature that I lived out of that hurt people and that hurt me and hurt society. You may say, well, I wasn't that bad before Jesus. I'd say this to that. Is that when I fall in love with him and I see who He really is, when it's not about a church service on Sunday or Wednesday or just coming to an event or or marking it off my list, when I fall in love with Him, the real Jesus, the good Father, the Holy Spirit that's for me and with me, when I fall in love with Him, I'm going to live out of that place of love also. It's a learning process. The learning is learning who I am and letting it transform my mind. You want to know how it happens? It's worth saying again, is that I sit before this word and I see who God says I am and see who he says he is. I hang out in the, the epistles and the gospels. I look at Jesus and find out who the father is. And then I look at the truth that he says about me that points me away from who I'm not and who, towards who I am. And I allow that to bring the change that Jesus paid for me to have. Rooted and grounded in truth. There's nothing more powerful on the earth than this Bible. This truth. It's living, powerful, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. (laughs) Yeah, it discerns my thoughts. When I'm not thinking properly, I can get in this word. And it actually begins to correct my thinking. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart, because sometimes I may think that I have good intentions, but what the Bible shows me is that my intentions weren't what he wants them to be. Then it brings transformation to my mind, and I don't have to have intentions anymore. I just live out of who I am, and everywhere I go, I love, 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 love. That's it. You're like, you made it too simple. (laughs) The gospel's simple. Please don't complicate it. For years, I've seen and and even did myself at one point in time is that I've tried to make people jump through hoops or climb through windows when Jesus had kicked the door wide open and left it open for anybody that wanted to come. (laughs) So what's in your life that Jesus is telling you that is not supposed to be there? It's all a part of your old nature. I love what Dan, Dan, Dan Muller says. You're just boasting in who you're, who you're not. Boasting in who you were never created to be. And so when I see those issues in my life, and during this fast, I've seen all kinds of stuff that have come up out of my soul, and it's been amazing, but it didn't always feel good. And so... I allow Holy Spirit, like David said, King David, you search my heart. I don't need to go digging around in there. I never come out feeling good on the other side of introspection. Because most oftentimes when I'm being introspective, I'm actually being, I'm comparing myself to someone else besides Jesus. Jesus. And so I allow Holy Spirit to search my heart, and then he convicts me of whatever's necessary in that moment. If you just said, well, he hasn't convicted me of that yet, and you knew what it was in your mind, I'd venture to guess that he's already convicted you of it multiple times, and you quit listening. I've been there, right? I'm like, I don't want to listen to that anymore. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway, because it feels good. It's all about me in those moments. the selfish desires. And I just went with the Father once. I want us to walk in who we were created to be. I can't preach you into it or teach you into it. I can't force you into it. But I will tell you this, is that I'm in it with you. Every day. I feel uncomfortable when people brag on me in public still. What Owen said about my life is because it's a a pursuit of of love and, and truth. And the only reason it's a pursuit of love and truth is because others that have gone on before me have given me examples of what it looks like, and they're still fathering me and mothering me. I still have people that are mentoring me and pouring into my life. Don't believe for one second that I figured any of this out all by myself. It takes, old African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Well, it takes spiritual mothers and fathers in the body of Christ to raise up sons and daughters who live their life in true holiness. This move of God that's happening in the earth today, it's marked by Holiness. It really is. Just don't ever let your mind go back into that place of, it's about the list of things that I need to keep. It's always going to be about living out of who you're created to be. And you're created to be holy. <clears throat> He's holy. Let me read this prophetic word to you, and then I'm going um, to wrap up with prayer. This prophetic word was spoken on Wednesday... This past Wednesday night, which helped shift me to what I felt like God was doing. Here it is. This will be recorded, too, if you want to go back and listen to it, because it's a little lengthy. By that, I mean it's not one sentence. The tidal wave I told you about, prepare yourselves to be hit by. And when you get hit by it, there will be an opportunity to swim to the top. Top of it and ride it everywhere that it goes. And what you've been cultivating in intimacy in your own personal lives is going to begin to bleed over in a significant way every time you get together with other believers. Whether you're in a small group or a big corporate setting, you're going to begin to see a manifestation of my glory and my goodness in ways that you never have, but ways that you've hoped for and that you've prayed for. And this coming move that's here but still coming is going to begin to increase in this specific region as it's beginning to increase all over the world. And my holy ones who are burning for me, who walk in true holiness as sons and daughters were created to, will be the ones who will lead the way, but also will be the ones who will lay down and allow others to run across them in a greater place than they are currently at. I feel like I can see the father smiling down at his sons and daughters and saying, yep, this is what I planned. Yep, they're stepping into what my son paid for. And I can see the great cloud of witnesses surrounded around the throne room, with angels peering into. With angels peering into what the great cloud of witnesses were looking at, and it was like they were saying, "Yes, they're getting it. They're getting it." I feel like this. I feel like there's a new release of mercy in the body of Christ, and in Je- in, it says in James that mercy triumphs over judgment. This new release is going to give us eyes of mercy, and it's going to show show us mercy, isn't a feeling, but it's actually an action. And it's going to triumph over the judgment the world has put on people and the judgment Christians have put on other Christians and the world has put on Christians and vice versa. And it's going to begin to take over the hearts of all those that are laid down for him and are sacrificing themselves for him. And because of it, there is going to be a greater transition from the way people see God to seeing God as a good Father and that he's not after them to punish them but chasing them down with his love because he wants to see all of us being everything he planned we would be. If you would stand with me and we're going to pray. Thanks for being patient with me while I was talking out that truth. If you wonder why I pose things as questions at times, now, it's one of my new favorite things to do when I, when I teach. It's because it allows you to think for yourself. And often, because I wouldn't go up on a hill and die for this particular truth at times, I am processing it. I am processing it. I'm not ever going to speak about something as if I've lived it out for years when I'm just now getting it. I've made that mistake before in pride and in arrogance and in religious behavior and it was not wise of me. And so now empowerment says that you get to think for yourself because when you and I became Christians, Jesus didn't tell you to bend over and dump your brains out. All right? need to digest truth and allow it to change me. Not necessarily take every person that speaks to me about truth for their word, but let it cause me to get into the word and sit before it. This is what I pray. I pray that our new worship, a part of our new worship other than what I talked about today, would be sitting before the word. It would be less about listening to music even though I love it You can listen to music and sit before the word at the same time. But for me personally, I've leaned on worship to actually worship at times in my private time. I've leaned on music as if Jesus wasn't enough in the silence. I needed something going. I don't want to need anything but Him. And I know in Him I'm whole. I know the truth of what that says, but it's still changing me, right? It's still transforming me. My greatest transformation is always going to come out of that place of sitting with Him. Just sitting with Him. Just sitting. Just sitting. Just being. Not trying to get something. Not praying petition prayers. There's a time and place for that but just being. Because what's more important than my monologue to God in my prayer time It's me sitting before Him, realizing who I already am, and then my life is going to impact far more lives than the prayers that I was getting ready to pray. You may not 100% agree with that, and that's okay. But I will say this, if I don't pray from a place of knowing who I am, which I've done many times. I'm not sure the effect it has. I know that God hears still. I'm just not real sure. I'm not settled in that. I know faith moves him. So Father, thank you for, thank you for a room full of sons and daughters who were hungry for you. Thank you for Holiness, the reality of true holiness and worshiping in spirit and in truth becoming our personal revelation. That you'd break down strongholds, destroy lies, things that that religion has taught us, that you'd uproot that stuff out of us. Yeah, yeah, that we would unlearn all the things that you never wanted us to learn. And that we would sit before you. That we'd be in the word and also in the Bible. At the same time. That we'd realize our union with you. Realize our oneness with you. Realize everything that we already have. The access that we already have to everything you paid for. And that you'd show us in the word so that it transforms our minds. And that we get the opportunity to disciple others. Train up others in the same truth. So that everything that you're pouring out on the earth, that we'll get to not only be a part of it, but we'll get to see it sustained as long as we are on the planet. (laughs) And that the next generations that are coming after us, that we won't drop the baton as we're passing it to them. But our ceilings will truly become their floor. And they'll step into everything that we weren't able to in our lifetimes. And that we'll see them go further and faster than we ever could. See you get your reward, Jesus. See you get your reward. I know I said things about this nation's persecution. I know it made some of you uncomfortable and maybe even made a few of you a little angry. It wasn't my intention. Sometimes just express what I'm seeing. Sometimes what I think I'm seeing. Try to differentiate between both. It's not a, it's not a, a, trying to manipulate with fear. It's a reality all over the world. God's not trying to get us to do something through that. I thank you, Father, that you're not manipulative and you're not trying to use fear. You don't use that because it's outside of your nature. But when you speak truth to us, if we get afraid, just need to get back in love. So I thank you for teaching us that. I thank you that there's no condemnation, no shame, no guilt. Anywhere in in this room, on any person, at whatever place they are at in their walk currently. If they're making choices that today they realize they weren't supposed to, or they've been making only bad choices, or just a few, or just the one over and over. Whatever it is, wherever they're at, I thank you that, Jesus, you're holding out your hand with love in your eyes. Mercy in your voice. And you're inviting every one of us into a greater reality that you paid for us to live out of. I thank you. I bless every person's process, wherever they're at in their walk, wherever they're at in their maturity, wherever they're at in their growth. I bless it right now in Jesus' name. I say, God, just pour out more on them. Pour out more on them. Pour out more on them. Yeah, pour out more. Peace. Upon every situation, every family, everything that's going on in your life, we bless you. Yeah, we just encourage you that you were made for this. You were made to run in this. You were made to be a world changer. You were made to be tra- to be a transformer of of culture, one person at a time. You were made. To look just like Jesus. You were made to do the stuff. You were made for kingdom life. You were made for this. And he's given you everything you need. To live out of that place. Just a reminder that he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Just want to reinforce that. No matter what's going on in your life right now. Doesn't change his love for you. Doesn't change the way he, f- he feels about you. And I'll tell you this that he'll never change his mind about you. Not going to do it. <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> That's what we call good news. So thanks, Jesus, that you're in this with us in the process. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let the prayer team come if you guys need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. Please don't leave before you get prayer. If you don't need prayer, we'd ask that you introduce yourself to somebody that you never met before. Just to... We're all about relationship. We're all about getting to know one another. That's what healthy family looks like. All right. So bless you guys. We love you.